Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Honestly, too many marriages experience these hundreds, if not thousands of small moments of disconnection. And if they're not identified and stopped, they will actually metastasize over time like a marital cancer. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Would you like to have a marriage that goes the distance? Are you looking for ways to deepen your connection with your spouse? Or maybe you're just feeling distance in your marriage, but you're not quite sure what to do about it. If you relate to any of those, today's episode will help you understand how something we call the slow fades are affecting your marriage. Now that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Once you're aware of the slow fades, you can actually begin to stop them from robbing you of connection. So it's been a while since Mark joined me on the podcast. Welcome back, honey. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Of course. I love chatting with you. And, you know, we do so much work for our date night members. Um, We have a marriage membership site called No More Perfect Date Night, and we do a lot of that together. And uh, we just have to remind ourselves to get over here on the podcast and do some of that together. Yes. So we thought it would be fun today to actually start by sharing what we're reading and kind of how God's growing us and challenging us. And so I thought I'd let you go first, babe. (laughs) Well, um, as usual, I have quite a few things happening at one time. Yeah, no kidding. You you always have more than one book going. I do. Uh, Andrew Murray. Uh, his book on humility is just incredibly powerful. Is that what it's actually called? Humility. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and then uh, Battle Ready by Kelly Bellari. And then I've been uh, praying through Romans just a few verses a day with a couple guys. Whoa. I'm overwhelmed already. You are? I am. <laughs> I'm high capacity. <laughs> no, not. you're not. <laughs> I know. But you are when it comes to learning. Like, I don't know. So you guys have to understand this. When Mark and I first married, he was not a reader. Refused to read. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Refused to read. I did. <laughs> I I don't know why. I was intimidated by it. I, uh, And yet for business, I would read. Right. 
But, but for, for personal. For personal and for spiritual growth, I didn't. And I missed out. So where did the the switch flip for you? I think God used a cattle prod and said, you better start reading, buddy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, definitely since our crisis, you have read so much more since our our crisis 10 years ago. For those that are just listening, we our marriage went through a terrible crisis. Mark was unfaithful. Uh, we were separated for several months. And then he did a U-turn and we put the wheels back on the bus. And so that's been, I mean, that took a long time. And a lot right. of that was reading for you. Like mm-hmm. you really dug into God's word. Mm-hmm. I I was reading before. I just think that so many people have some powerful things to say and I want to learn from them. And some people don't have good things to say and I don't finish reading those books. (laughs) Might have been known to throw a couple away. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, um, Andrew Well, what are you reading? Well, I'm going to get to what I'm reading here in a second. But before we leave it, Andrew Murray's, because um, Andrew Murray's an like an 1800s pastor. Right. If you ever pick up some of his books, sometimes they come in like the old English. Right. And you don't recommend that. You actually recommend it in today's language. Right. Although I did find that uh, Andrew Murray's books are available free in the old English. And so if you like a challenge and (laughs) on humility, I'm reading the original language book. And man, there's a lot of words that I didn't know. And so I'm having to look up quite a few words in the dictionary. That's funny. But people have translated his books in modern English rather than the 1800s. And And those are easier to read. Yeah. Yeah, just and you really—he's a great writer. He's pointed, um, very much directed to God's word and to relevant wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that one, humility. You talked a lot about um, absolute surrender. Absolute surrender is probably the other one that you just ab- right. really loved. Yeah, I started it, to say you absolutely loved. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love absolute surrender. That's right. Um, but that one was really powerful for you yeah. when you did your U-turn. Right. It el- it really helped me to understand letting go and to trust God, and which I didn't. Yes. And to surrender my life, my expectations, my demands, my unrealistic, everything mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yeah. And that was, it was, it was a relief. Yeah. Now, um, what was the Kelly Bellari book that you're reading? Uh, it's one of her new books. Uh, it might be. I think it's been out for maybe a year or so. A couple years, yeah. yeah. Battle Ready. Battle Ready. And yeah. uh, What have you enjoyed about that one? I really have liked that she is just very relevant, but very deep, very much uh, directed to God's word, but very practical. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a book written for women. And you tend to like books written for women. Well, they're they're <laughs> honest, they're real, and uh, yeah. I get all these books um, because right. I'm often on people's influencer list, and Mark will be like, "Ooh, that one looks like a good one," and he'll yeah. he'll snag it before I do. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, women tend to be more hungry for learning than men tend to be. So there's 
quite a bit more written directed towards women. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think a lot of the books that women have written for women could be written for either either sex. So mm-hmm. I just enjoy her illustrations or think of my own, but mm-hmm. the material is very practical. Mm-hmm. Right. And then before we leave this, and I share with you what I'm reading, actually what I've just finished reading, and I haven't started something new because I'm like soaking in what I just finished reading, but mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, you were saying that you were reading and kind of communicating with some guys. Yeah. And uh, we're praying through Romans. Romans. Yeah. Okay. And what's that look like? I've been doing that for a little over a year. And I would say that I kind of fell upon it and we'll just read three or four verses and then text a prayer in response to those verses. And that has really been rich. Mm-hmm. Men underestimate how much wisdom they really have and how powerful it is to hear their hearts, their thoughts, their words expressed in a prayer. Mm. And so it's it's not it's not like a deep study, but it's mm-hmm. uh, reading the verses and then praying through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. So mine, um, I started reading The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John mm. Mark Comer when we were in Florida a few weeks ago. And man, it just uh, has been really good. I think where it has challenged me the most is I am I am always all about efficiency mm-hmm. and moving things quickly and um, doing things in the most efficient way. And he just really challenges you to slow down, to change how you're thinking, to change how your what your perspective is on time and pace. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been really, really challenging. And yeah. it really challenges you to have a Sabbath. And that has been good for me to think through that. I don't feel like I fully have that down pat, but definitely thinking about it more. I know mm-hmm. for you and I, we've been talking about it more because sometimes on the weekends, we don't have a traditional Sunday because we do we host marriage intensives in our home and our marriage intensives run. So a couple will come five o'clock Friday and they'll stay in our home and we will work with them on their marriage all weekend until they leave at two o'clock on Sunday. So it really messes with our, uh, you know, our Sabbath, Mm -hmm. but we've been marking off Monday. Right. On those weekends. That's worked out well. It has so that we're, not just skipping over the need to slow down and to rest and to focus, obviously focus on worship and, you know, spending time with the Lord as well. Mm. So that's been really powerful for me. And in God's word, I, I am been parked in Philippians again. I, Philippians brings me life. It does. You, you I, I go Philippians and then somewhere else. And then I go back to Philippians (laughs) and then somewhere else. And I go back to Philippians. So right now I'm, I'm in, I'm back in Philippians, but it does. Mm. It just really brings me life. So I love that. And, you know, I think one of the places that God is really growing both of us is learning how to work together. Right. That's a place uh, Mm -hmm. learning how to, we're spending a lot more time together, not just because of 
COVID and right. all of that, but we're doing far more marriage intensives than what we used to. We're doing a lot of marriage coaching. We're creating courses and all of that has, I think God's really been growing us mm-hmm. in that. And it's, I think it's been fun. Yeah, it has been. It's taken us quite a while to learn how to mm-hmm. appreciate that and how to really nestle in and cooperate and complement each other. Yeah, yeah. I think God's really been deepening me in surrender and humility. Mm-hmm. And I would say he's deepening me in humility as well mm-hmm. and not having to have my own way, like mm-hmm. yielding to mm-hmm. recognize that there are other ways to right. accomplish something. Yeah. And it just makes it makes for deeper relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. So today's episode, what we want to talk about is something that we call the slow fades in marriage, which we first wrote about in our No More Perfect Marriages book. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about talk about working together. So Mm -hmm. here we are talking about working together. We first wrote a book together before our crisis, and it was disastrous. It was. (laughs) It was worse than hanging wallpaper together. It was bad. (laughs) It was so bad. Yeah. And we then wrote No More Perfect Marriages together and had a very different experience. Yeah. And the difference was because of a slow fade. Right. So when we were writing Living With Less So Your Family Has More, which, by the way, is a great book, even though it took us forever to, right, to, get, <laughs> to, to get put there it together. and to put it together and we about killed each other. But, you know, <laughs> please read it because it's well worth it. Right. There's so much blood in there. No. That, that's oh. not true. It, it is. It's a powerful book. It is. And it was so, it was so, it was actually really good for us to write it because it always deepens our own experiences when we do. But we had the slow fate of not accepting right. going on there. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But when I just think about where God's brought us, that's what I think of. So before we actually go there, and we'll share a little bit of that story and what that slow fade of not accepting looked like in real life, let's define a slow fade in marriage, okay? So slow fades are small ruptures in connection that gather over years or even decades, pulling our hearts apart one little quarter inch at a time. Uh, Why don't you say that again? (laughs) So slow fades are small ruptures in connection that gather over years or even decades, pulling our hearts apart one little quarter inch at a time. And what Jill and I have learned is that that is not unique to just you and I. No, we initially thought it was. Right. Because we were using it in our healing process, but the more we talked to other people, the more, and other couples, the more we realized, oh, wait a minute, we're not the only ones that are struggling with these. We had kind of labeled some slow fades that were ours, and then we realized these aren't really just ours. Right. No. And in fact, when couples come to us and they feel distant or they're in some sort of marriage crisis. Mm Mm-hmm. First thing we look at is, and we help them identify, is what are the slow fades that are at play here? Exactly. And countless times, couples 
resonate with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, honestly, too many marriages experience these hundreds, if not thousands of small moments of disconnection. And if they're not identified and stopped, they will actually metastasize over time like a marital cancer. And that is, a, I mean, it's a kind of a terrible thought, but it really, I mean, that's what we see firsthand. Right. It happened in our relationship and it happens in many others. Well, and and we see so many of the people that are older that have been married for 40, 50 years getting divorced. And it's all because of the pooling of those slow fades. Mm-hmm. It is. And people can experience them in the first years of marriage. I mean, they can experience slow fades, but they can, they definitely experience them at 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30. And I would say between 20 and 30 years of marriage is where we see a lot of people identifying distance, frustration. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they raise their hand and say, hey, we need help. And sometimes crisis happens because a wrong response happens. Right. Which is what I did. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, I've learned that, boy, there there are definitely better ways than blowing up your family mm-hmm. and dropping a bomb and cleaning off the shrapnel inside your family. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty rough. Yeah. But you know, when we looked back, we were doing a lot of the big things. We sure were. But it was the little things that were happening day in, day out, hour in, hour out. And those little issues grew into bigger issues over time. And really, if they just stood alone, like none of those disconnections would have really mattered. But when thousands of them accumulate over time, then that impact can be catastrophic. And that's what we really want couples to understand is, or even just married individuals, Mm -hmm. because even if your spouse doesn't, isn't interested in learning about the slow fades, if you will work to stop them as it relates to you, then you can actually begin to close distance on your own. Right, right. On on some of these. We need to go back to the book and talk about the slow fade that was at play there. Yeah, exactly. So that slow fade of not accepting is what was at play there. So what was frustrating is we went into that book. I think both of us went into it thinking, okay, this is going to be an equal process. Like right. we're going to we're going to both contribute equally. The problem is we have different skills. Mm-hmm. And so I would get frustrated because really because Writing isn't one of your skills. Uh, That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Communicating is one of your skills. Yeah. Like you can pull together a powerful sermon and deliver a powerful sermon. So communicating is, but actually writing is not. And so I was kind of carrying the weight of that and it was frustrating and it was frustrating for me, but it was frustrating for you. Yeah, I was frustrated because I was way outside of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. and my comfort, my skill level, I just felt like I was a fish out of water and just did not know what to do about that. So I wasn't accepting the skill set you did have 
and then really thinking about ways to utilize that. Mm-hmm. And I was defensive about your input, trying to help me. Mm-hmm. And that created just a little bit of tension. Which is one of the slow fades. So we had the yeah. slow fade of not accepting and we had the slow fade of defensiveness yep. that was going on. And it was, I mean, it was just a mess. So how was that different when we wrote No More Perfect Marriages? Well, one of the things we've learned is that you think in chunks. Mm-hmm. You have a brain, you have a, a very random brain and it is kind of abstract and random and i have a very sequential brain very concrete mm-hmm. and so we actually put our heads together and it was like so i'm chunky in your heart <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's gonna come out of this guy's mouth oh great yeah <laughs> all right so How that changed is you actually said, let me just write everything I know on whatever the topic of the chapter was. And you sat down, you told stories about whatever the topic was, you shared scriptures, you quotes, yeah, found quotes, things that came to your mind. You just did a big old dump and that worked super well well with your random brain. Right. And how did that work with your sequential brain? Well, as long as I knew, then you gave me something to turn into sequential. Mm -hmm. And then I added my own content to it and then organized it. And both of us having an understanding and an appreciation for those differences was huge. And so I accepted I didn't try to turn you into something that you weren't. Right. And that's what happens with that slow fade of not accepting is that we try to turn our spouse into somebody that they're not meant to be Mm -hmm. because we want them to be more like us or because we want them to do things our way. And what happens is if we're always trying to change our spouse, then honestly, that slow fade can end up at rejection. Right. So we can feel very rejected. Right. And so the spouse can feel that. Honestly, both spouses feel that bitterness and that rejection that's brewing between them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it made such a difference. So we no longer were experiencing the slow fate of not accepting because we were experiencing a genuine value for what the other brought to the table and being able to play to our strengths. Yes. Like we really yep. understood that. And then we didn't experience that slow fade of defensiveness mm-hmm. because humility was at play. Right. And man, I mean, the antidote for defensiveness is humility. It's not demanding our own way. It's not rationalizing why what we're saying or doing was okay. It's really hearing the heart of what someone is expressing to you. And it's listening to understand, not listening to defend. Right. And I think what I've learned is that when all of those examples are playing out that you had just stated, that's really what the Bible calls our flesh. Our flesh is just peeping out pride. And pride is so destructive. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I would say that 
when couples are struggling, pride is at work. Almost always. Yeah. It certainly was in ours. And it it still can be. I mean, if we start to get sideways, Mm -hmm. one of the first things that I know I check inside my heart Mm -hmm. is where am I at on that pride meter? Right. Have I gotten out of balance? Do I need to instill humility here? Right. Yeah. So one of the things we thought we would do is, you know, when we wrote No More Perfect Marriages, we identified seven slow fades. And since then, we've actually identified five more. And we actually share about those in our No More Perfect Marriages course, which is what we do in churches. Churches bring us in and we do like a weekend retreat for their community. But we also put it together in a home edition course last year mm-hmm. when everybody was stuck at home. And and so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But today we thought we would highlight a few of the more common slow fades. So you could see if maybe some of these are happening in your marriage without you even realizing it, which is really right. what happens with slow fades. Absolutely. You don't realize that what is happening is happening. Right. (laughs) Yeah, most often we just find ourselves, what's going on? Why is this so hard? It shouldn't be this hard. Why are we not hearing each other? Why are we not communicating? And most of the time, I don't think that those are the questions people are asking, though. They're like, why is she this way? Why is he that way? Right. Like, we're we're quick to point the finger. Yeah. Yeah. So we already talked about the slow fate of not accepting. Another one that was doing damage between uh, really beneath the surface was the slow fate of minimizing. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. Yeah. And minimizing is when, so we've identified that there's two types of minimizing, internal and external. So an internal minimizer minimizes their own thoughts and feelings. Which is what I struggled with and... So all of the lies that I was believing from my childhood, mm-hmm. not not necessarily given to me by my parents, but uh, most certainly some came from them. But what we've learned is that's shame. Mm-hmm. Just that I'm not enough, I'm not needed, I'm not lovable, I'll never be enough. All of those things were just keeping me in a cycle of keeping my mouth shut, of minimizing myself. Right. Yes. And I tended to minimize your thoughts and feelings. So I tended to be an external minimizer. And that was because of my own internal minimizing, which for me was out of my buck up mindset. So, you know, if I, if things got too emotional, I was quick to, to shut that emotion down and be like, Hey, you need, you need to buck up just like I need to buck up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I would minimize your thoughts and feelings and that we see that in couples all the time that they are, Mm -hmm. they are minimizing either themselves in their marriage and Mm -hmm. therefore not speaking up, but it's, they've got this, when they don't speak up, they've got this slow burn going on. Yep. And it's fueling bitterness. Mm-hmm. And that is pulling their hearts apart. Right. Yeah. Explosive within marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Within relationship, really. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you've got couples where, you know, the one partner speaks up and then the other is quick to shut them down. Right. To let them know why their feelings are silly or foolish or they shouldn't be feeling that way Mm -hmm. or they shouldn't be thinking that way. 
every time either one of those happens, we internally minimize or we externally minimize, our hearts get pulled apart. And that is very painful over time. Absolutely. Another one that we see a lot, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but it's a slow fate of defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And man, that slow fate of defensiveness is a big one because it is, it really comes down to how we listen is what the slow fate of defensiveness. Mm -hmm. We are not listening to really understand what our spouse is saying, to understand their perspective, but we're listening to respond and to defend. Right. Yeah. Uh, And it builds walls, walls Mm -hmm. of uh, isolation, walls between husband and wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there's the slow fade of child-centeredness. Yes. And this is one that we didn't include in the book, but we, you know, we've we've just worked with so many couples that put their kids above their marriage. And while it's a principle we've known for a long time and we've often taught, it's not one that we had thought about from a fade perspective, but if the kids come First, in the family, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, Mm -hmm. day out, and there's never a prioritizing of the marriage, then over time, that's that rupture of connection that we're talking about that makes up a slow fade. So, you know, I made this mistake in our early marriage. I struggled leaving the kids. I I remember particularly when I had to come face to face with it, we were given a trip to Rome, Italy, and I really didn't want to go. I, I didn't want to go for two reasons. One, I was afraid to fly. I'd only flown once and I was afraid to fly. And the second reason is I didn't want to leave my kids for that long and be that far away. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard for me. But I remembered reading a book by Elise Arndt years earlier. And one of the chapter titles was Wife First, Mother Second. And, you know, as you are sharing with me that we've been given this trip, a friend of yours had won through his business three trips for two. He was wanting to give us one of those trips. And I'm saying to myself, wife first, mother second, Mm -hmm. wife first, mother second. And I began to realize I, I, I need to do this. Like it's the right thing to do. And man, that was so difficult. I cried halfway across the ocean. (laughs) You did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You cried such a long time. I did. I was sure that the plane was going to crash and our children were going to be orphans. (laughs) I'd convinced myself of that. Yeah. We got over there And we had so much fun Mm -hmm. and I started crying because we had to come home because I didn't want to leave. (laughs) Yeah. And then you cried from the airport home. Yeah. I I really, you know, I began to realize, no, this has been really valuable for our marriage. Right. So child-centeredness, it's just such a natural position to slide into. And mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it that slow fade because you're caring for little ones who can't care for themselves or we have built it so large that they can't take care of themselves and then we look at our spouse and say hey you can dress yourself you can take care of yourself you're on your own right and uh, that's such a dangerous place to fall it is it is because our kids actually need us to be marriage centered right 
So um, we don't want to feed into that slow fade of child-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have time to go through all of them in this setting, but we want to share some of the other ones with you so at least you're aware of them. Right. All right. So one slow fade is the slow fade of unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. And that one was a big one, particularly for you. It was. From childhood, I just lived in this perpetual fantasy of, of unrealistic expectation. Marriage should look like this. Family should look like this. Work should, just all of these shoulds. And so I did what you have said so many times. I should all over myself. <laughs> and yeah. everyone else, quite yeah. frankly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so hard. And so it, because that unrealistic expectations feeds discontentment. Mm-hmm. So that's why we need to stop that slow fade. It, you know, people will say, how do I know if I have the slow fade of unrealistic expectations? And What I'll tell them is, where are you constantly disappointed? In whom are you constantly disappointed? That's probably where you need to examine your expectations. Right. The next slow fade is a slow fade of disagreement. Yeah. And that one comes from not knowing how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Right. What about this one? Naivety. The slow fate of naivety. Yeah. And that comes from not protecting your marriage, being naive about the need to protect your marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that. And boy, we, we see that play out so often. Mm-hmm. The slow fate of avoiding emotion. And that one was a big one for me because, like I said, I had that buck up mindset and I wasn't vulnerable with my emotions. I wasn't vulnerable with myself with my emotions, <laughs> right. let alone with you. But it was sending an unintentional message to you that I did not need you. Right. Um, because I I wasn't open. I was, I was an avoider with my emotions. Mm -hmm. The slow fade of busyness. Yeah. And this one, you know, thankfully we've seen some of this slow down a little bit with people, Mm -hmm. you know, not having as many activities outside the home due to the COVID quarantine and all of that. But, you know, we can still not be doing activities outside the home and still be so busy that we're not connecting. Right. Right. Uh, Another one is slow fate of unforgiveness. And this one is a big one. Actually, uh, we had somebody at one of our marriage events, uh, one of our marriage retreats, uh, really identify this one. And I remember when we were teaching and they were sitting off to the side and all the disdain and the struggle between them was so it was like tangible like yes we, we could feel it so and see raw. it yeah so it was real. so difficult but on one of our communication breaks he identified that he'd been holding something against her for 10 years yeah do you remember when they walked back into the room after that break yeah they were like a new couple yeah it was amazing yeah and so that slow fade can rob us of connection because it feeds bitterness. Right. And man, if there is something that you are holding against your spouse, don't let that slow fade of unforgiveness rob you any longer. Well, and the thing that you and I've learned in working with others and from our own lives is that bitterness, you can't isolate that to one relationship. It bleeds over into everything else. Yes. It's a cancer. And bitterness is so brutal. And so dealing with that through forgiveness is such a gift 
to yourself and to others. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Another slow fade, the slow fade of assumptions. Yep. This was one that we found also after we wrote the book. And the assumptions we make is we actually interact with each other based upon things we're assuming about each other. We're assuming motives. We're assuming maybe that our spouse knows something that really they don't know. We're assuming they can read our mind. I mean, there's all kinds of assumptions that we operate off of. And we've got to learn how to ask our thoughts instead of feeding those thoughts and letting you know them like carry us down a road that we don't even need to go down. We've got to stop those assumptions. Yeah. And then a last one is the slow fate of not having fun together. <laughs> this one is a big one, especially for couples that have been married for a long time. They forget how to have fun together. Maybe they need to find new ways to have fun right. together. Right. And new inside jokes, new things to explore. And yes, it, you may need to do some some figuring. Yes, there are times I step into Mark's world and he steps into mine, but we've had to find things over the years that we actually enjoy doing together that when we were dating, I wouldn't have said that's how we would have had fun together. Right. We've had to develop some of those new Mm -hmm. things. And I'd be the first to admit that was, especially after having kids, I kind of became a fuddy-duddy and and probably fed into that slow fade. Mm-hmm. But I would say since we've been empty nesters, we've started to... Well, we've been working hard at... Finding try- things. Yeah. Finding trying things trying different things. That we both enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we find like, nah, let's not do that right. again. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so if any of these feel maybe a bit familiar, we want you to know that the very first step to stop a fade is awareness. And right now, you are more aware than you were 30 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah. And so the next step is to do the opposite of the fade. I mean, just for instance, if if minimizing is happening, you know, maybe if you're self-minimizing, start to find courage and speak up. If you tend to minimize your spouse's thoughts and feelings, you shut them down, then Learn how to keep your mouth shut. You know, the Bible says a lot about the power of our words. Be aware of those and start doing the opposite of that fade. Well, and the power of listening and hearing our spouse is such a game changer in marriage. And God's word speaks a lot to listening. It does. To hearing. Yeah. And recently, um, for one of our, our marriage intensives, we created just a one sheet of scriptures for listening. Mm-hmm. And we already had one that was a one sheet of scriptures of how the power of our words. You know what? We'll include those in the in the show notes for oh, this that's a, that's so that people idea. can access them um, mm-hmm. because you're right. Because then it's the same thing with if you, you know, talking about doing the opposite, I'm thinking of the slow fate of defensiveness. When we're defensive, we're not listening to understand. We're listening to defend. So if you do the opposite... Mm-hmm. You're going to listen to understand. And that is, you'll you'll begin to respond differently. And when you begin to respond differently, the dynamics in your relationship start to change. Right. And we have seen that shift 
that change not only in our own life, but through hundreds of couples yeah. that we've interacted with. And we've had the the privilege of spending time with and having that front row seat at watching their marriage change right. as they stop the slow fades mm-hmm. and they begin to regain that connection right. that those slow fades had had lost. So if you want to learn more, please do check out the No More Perfect Marriages Home Edition course. We'll put the link along with other links to some of our more requested marriage resources. And as we bring this to a close today, I don't know, I just feel like we we should take a moment and pray. Mm. Pray for anyone that's listening that is feeling those slow fades, wants to make sure that their marriage isn't experiencing slow fades that they've not been aware of. Would you yeah. pray for that? Absolutely. Father, I I am so grateful for you that you reached into the brutal mess that our marriage was in and you opened our eyes to observe, to experience, to see the slow fades and what they were doing between Jill and I. Mm-hmm. And Father, I pray for every individual who's uh, listening or every couple that's listening together, Lord, that you would do the same and open their eyes to these slow fades and to just how they're washing away the foundation of a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray that you would pour out hope and courage strength, stability, mm-hmm. Lord, that you would empower, that you would do what you do best in reaching into our lives, into our relationships, and leading us. So mm-hmm. it's to you that we trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we bring this to a close today, our final reminder is something that we share in our book and something we often say to each other, and that's this. A real marriage isn't perfect. A real marriage is two people being perfected. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.